When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando Sanchez. We've got Jared Cowley on my right, Nate Hansen on my left, the one and only Max Barr on the ones and twos. And today we are going off the rip, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no script, no questions. We'll have predictions as usual. But the And we got Rip It. And, and, of course, Rip It. We got some it, listener questions. So we are not answering our own questions today. Yeah, no. The trade deadline has come and gone, and there are a lot of opinions out there on how the Portland Trail Blazers handled this time of the year. Uh huh. Basically, what I want to do is let you guys go at it. (laughs) Define (laughs) define you guys. I think Max has opinions as well. Because I get into to the station today. (laughs) <laughs> and both of you guys are just firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Like pre-gaming the pod instead uh. of saving it for the pod. Yeah. And it was so well, good. Some things, some things it was we so say, good. Some things we say we, can't, we don't want to say on the pod necessarily. <laughs> you guys Phrasing such, is a little different. Dude, you guys do such a good job uh, with the pod already. I don't think that our listeners are going to be disappointed in this one because yeah. – uh, it's a it's a pretty controversial topic, you know. There, there it, are some people. It's that, a lightning rod, I would say. Yeah, it's not. I don't know if it's controversial, but it's certainly a lightning rod in terms of conversation. It's yeah. it's triggering people, man. Yeah, exactly. I think the majority of Blazers fans right now are pissed. Yeah. yeah. If you look at at least if you look at what Blazers fans on Twitter are saying, and and Blazers Twitter is not really representative of the entire Blazers fan base. It can be a dark place. Yeah, but right now, at least on Blazers Twitter, I mean. There, there's a lot of anger out there. Okay, guys. So what do we know so far? Scalabissier is gone. Yeah, they traded Scalabissier to, to get rid of his salary basically and cut their luxury tax bill. They traded in to the Atlanta Hawks. They sent along about two million dollars in cash to the Hawks to take Labissier's contract into open cap space that they had available, and then the Blazers get back a a second round pick in 2024 that will probably because of protections never convey. So basically it was a, a move to save money. That sounds that's exactly, familiar. that's exactly, that's exactly what Blazers fans were hoping for yeah, on man. this big day. Right. <laughs> that's what we talked about. You know, on this podcast, we've talked so much about what could potentially be for the trade deadline for the Portland trail Blazers. And what it ended up being was what we talked about Two weeks ago mm-hmm. with the Ariza deal, we said that we thought the writing was on the wall with mm-hmm. that deal. While Ariza has ended up being an upgrade yeah. from Kent Bazemore, what we thought that deal was was to save money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's still what that deal was. Yeah. It's just the difference between that deal and the Scal deal is that they got a player back that they can use in the Bazemore trade. Mm-hmm. And Ariza's yeah. been pretty good and seems like he, he's a good fit on this roster, but the scow move was to save money and nothing more. And the thing that 
I think that Nate and I are going to see this a little bit differently. I don't think I'm quite as angry as he is about this, about their lack of moves at this deadline. But for me, what I do not understand is if you're going to try and cut that luxury tax bill, do it all the way. They yeah. didn't get all the way under the luxury tax threshold. So they're, they're still going to pay the tax this year. That means they were a tax team last year. They're going to be a tax team this year. Even if they stay under the cap next year, which they have a, the opportunity to do, the year after that, you've got Dame's Supermax kicking in. You've got CJ's extension kicking in. You've got a new contract for Nurkic if they bring him back. You've got a new contract for Zach Collins, whose rookie contract will expire. At that point, it's going to be really difficult to avoid the tax. And so then, three out of four years, their tax team, they hit the repeater tax. So if you're not going to get all the way under the luxury tax, all they did in these moves that they made before the deadline was try to save money. And in that scenario, when it's not for a, a larger purpose, like trying to avoid that repeater tax down the line, which does impact roster building decisions, then it's just for the owner to save money. And Blazers fans can absolutely be pissed about that. Yeah, I mean, they, the reason to be angry is we're sitting here in the prime of Damian Lillard's career, he just went on like a two-week stretch of averaging 45-plus points per game trying to drag this team through the mud and get him through the playoffs. And we're talking about saving money. Like, that's not okay. That's why Blazers fans are angry. We're talking about saving millionaires, billionaires money. And that's not what this is about. This is about you have Damian Lillard right now, and he's made it verbally his goal publicly to win a championship in Portland. And we know how difficult it is for the Blazers to sign free agents, even when they do have money available. But with as limited as they're going to be moving forward in terms, as you just talked about, with money, it's going to be even more difficult to yeah. find a difference-making player moving forward. And so for us and for a lot of Blazers fans, the summer of 2016 was you signed Myers Leonard, you signed Maurice Harkless, you signed Evan Turner, and you signed Alan Crabb. At least three of those four deals were really bad deals to have made. And so they handicapped you building a team around Damian Lillard that could compete for an NBA championship. And yes, they managed to get to the Western Conference Finals last year, and that was a big step in the right direction. But none of us thought that team could end up possibly winning the whole, the whole thing last year. And so... Once you got those contracts off the book, those bad contracts, it was about, finally, we're out from underneath that. We can finally build a team about around Damian Lillard, get another star forward in here that will play well with him. And guess what? They're going to be out of those contracts here at the end of this season, and guess what they still can't do? Go out and get another star forward to build around Damian Lillard and to elevate this team from a playoff team that could be a middle-of-the-road, like, four or five-seed playoff team next year to a team who could legitimately compete for a title in Damian Lillard's prime. That's why people are angry. It's not that Neil Olshay did nothing because I think we saw for a while this was pro this, it was trending this direction, that even if he was right. able to trade Whiteside, he wasn't going to get anything for him. It was going to be just to move him and potentially save money. And now here we are. And that's why Blazers fans are mad is because where, where are the Blazers going to find – we all agree on this, that they're probably one really good forward away from being elevated into the possibility of being a West, the team that represents the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. Now where are you going to get that player? It's, 
outside of a sign and trade out of the blue, it seems nearly impossible that they're going to find this player and be able to elevate to the place where they need to be. I'm glad, Jared, that you brought up the finances and what this really means because now we can look at it and say, this makes me nervous money-wise because now they may take that into consideration when it comes to making a deal down the line. So when they're in the hunt for a big player, how much of their heart is in it to go out and get that player being a repeat offender uh, when it comes to taxes? That is a concern of mine now because yeah. I've seen that money matters in this situation Yeah, where it's like, okay, we're just going to get rid of a guy to save a few million. So now when we look forward to the future and trying to build a roster around Damian Lillard in his prime that can compete for a championship, this is kind of a red flag to me that tells me oh, oh, yeah. this is going to impact decisions going forward. And, yeah, maybe the market wasn't there for Neil Olshay, but when I look around the league and I see other GMs trying to find ways to change their roster to help them win now, this tells me, okay, they're starting to punt. The, 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 they're not worried about this year. No, and they shouldn't be worried about this They're year. not worried about this year. But the problem with that is, how do you tell Damian Lillard that? How, what do you do to help Damian Lillard Yeah. Now, now that he's put the team on his back and is playing the way he is? Are you just going to sit him now and, and let things play out? I mean, that's, I mean, that is the plan, obviously, is you have what you have right now on this roster, and you're going to hope that it's good enough to get you the eighth seed this mm -hmm. year and that – Damian Lillard will play his butt off and play great the rest of the year. That Hassan Whiteside will will continue to improve and maybe play well down the stretch. And maybe you get Yusuf Nurkic back in March, and maybe he can give you 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes by the end of the season of solid production. And Zach Collins, who knows if he – I mean, I know he said he wants to be back, but even if he comes back in March, what is that – or in April, rather, what is that, a handful of games he's back for before the playoffs? And – that's obviously what they're going to try to do, and that's not, that's not where the Blazers need to be at this point in time. So this is four years in the making. If you want to go back to the summer of 16, yes. It comes down to uh, this summer, and now the Blazers are hoping that Hassan Whiteside re-ups with the team. I, I don't know. I, if really, they, I really hope they aren't. Yeah, I really hope not. So I hope that's not their plan. So there's there's the chance that Hassan walks walks away, yeah. and the Blazers got nothing out of him walking away. Yeah, they, he they maybe got the eight seed in the playoffs because he stuck around all year. Well, I think for whatever that is worth. The reason fans are upset is because of what the expectation was, and I'm going to push back that that expectation was set by the front office because I don't think it was. I think it was set by when we were talking about it before, Nate. You said basically by common sense, and I agree with that. When we looked at these expiring contracts, we always thought when the day comes that they are expiring contracts, that's going to be an opportunity for the Blazers if a star player is available to use those expiring contracts, the draft picks that they've held on to yes. over these years, and the young players that they've, that they've drafted to go get a star player. And I think that was all of our expectation at the beginning of this season. Yes. I think we do know the problem is that, that it didn't play out that way. There were no star players available in the trade market this year. The expiring contracts had little to no value this year because the upcoming free agent class is nothing. Yes. And teams weren't looking to clear cap space. So all of those expectations we had, that it just wasn't possible to go out and get that star forward the Blazers need unless you think Kevin Love was the answer. 
But even with Kevin Love, the Cavaliers refused to budge on the price that they'd set for him, which is that they want good young players and draft picks, and they want you to take on that albatross of a contract and bring back a player in Kevin Love who is 31 years old and injury prone. And so I don't think the Blazers were probably willing to do that considering Cleveland didn't budge on their price. So my whole thing is, yes, this is a disappointment. And it would have been great if they could have turned Hassan Whiteside's contract into some players that could benefit the team next year and the year after. But I don't know if that was a reality or if that was a possibility for the team. So I don't really know what Neil O'Shea was supposed to do in that situation. Like I said, today, like what happened today isn't about, for me, and I think for a lot of Blazers fans, isn't about that they weren't able to move Hassan Whiteside because there weren't any realistic options about that. It had, as we said, it had trended that direction where it became somewhat obvious that they wouldn't be able to get what we thought, you know, last summer when they traded for Whiteside, that if they decide to move on from him this season, we thought there would be some pretty good value there for the Blazers. And we, as we got close to the trade deadline, we had talked about this in our previous podcast, it became pretty clear that wasn't going to be the case. It's just Blazers fans, because they used common sense, and Neil Olshay, you're right, Neil Olshay never said this publicly, but he's ne- he would never do that because you're not going to trade for a guy named Hassan, you're not going to trade for Hassan Whiteside in July and be like, yeah, we know we hope he's not on the team in February. You're never going to say that publicly. But the fan base, like I said, the common sense told you once the Blazers get out of, they're just b- biding time to get out of these contracts, out of this bad summer of 2016 contracts so that they can then go get the player that they should have gotten in the summer of 2016. But are you saying in free agency? Free agency, trade, whatever it may be. That was what fan expectations were. And I think there were fair expectations because the team has not – the other thing is the front office and the team has not shied away either – from the expectation of, we're here to win a championship. Right. And now, when you have, as you said, the circumstances did not break the way the Blazers hoped they would and probably envisioned that they would. And so, therefore, they do nothing today but try to save some money. But that's not going to help a fan who's been watching this team and thinking to themselves for three or four years, or three years probably, you know, just get those contracts out of the way, and we'll be able to go get someone one in one sh- in one form or another via trade, via free agency, whatever it is. We'll be able to go get that guy that unfortunately we didn't bring in in the summer of 2016 when we had money. And guess what? They didn't. And in the future, I don't see where they can get that type of player, given how hamstrung they're going to be moving forward. There are ways. A and sign I, and trade. Is I know the you best. don't believe that it's because of the Blazers' front office track record that maybe we shouldn't put any faith in in these methods. But next year they have a trade exception they can use that they can and, attach. And has, has Neil Olshay used have. trade exceptions I in know, the past? I I totally get that. But these are still avenues that they can use to build this roster. They're going to have uh, either, you know, fifteen. $14 million in cap space next year if they renounce everyone, or they're going to have a, a mid-level exception, which will be worth about $10 million a year, which is enough to go get a good rotation player at the very least. Okay, They can also, if they bring back Ariza 
if they bring back Ariza, they'll have one, the trade exception they can use, two, the mid-level exception they can use. They could bring in two ro rotation players with those two pieces. And then during the season or in the offseason, that Trevor Ariza contract, which will be about $13 million, they can use that if they're under the, the luxury tax. They can bring back a player who makes $17, $18 million a year in a trade. And they still have all of their draft picks going forward. They still haven't given those up. They still have these young players. When we were talking about this before the season, we were like, what they have now is expiring contracts, draft picks going for first round draft picks and, and interesting young talent. They still have all of those things. Right. And they still have them because Neil Olshay has been unwilling to part with them. So why do I think he'd be willing to part with them moving forward? But what should he have been? What should, what was out there on the market? I'm not this sure. This year that he should have. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what avenues Neil Olshay would have been, but he's been pretty dead set on Zach Collins is staying with the Portland Trailblazers. Yes. Word around from experts in the league is the price for Anthony Simons is sky high. And the Blazers have had opportunities in the past to to deal first round their first round picks and they haven't. They've held on to them. So why should I believe that in this scenario you brought up that next year is going to be the time that Neil Olshay is actually going to be willing to part? with a Zach Collins or an Anthony Simons or even a Nasir Little or future first-round picks. That hasn't been his M.O. Other than the Aaron Aflalo trade, that hasn't been his M.O. here in Portland to do that. And that's a fair argument. I would only say that other than this year and the years preceding when he did not give up those picks and the young players that you know they had at that time, they didn't have expiring contracts then. The only year they had expiring contracts was this year. And it fell apart this year for, for whatever reason it did. But next year, they do have the potential to have some expiring contracts plus draft picks plus young players where if a star player does come available, which did not happen this season, then they have the pieces to go at least put themselves in the market to get that player. As a general manager, your job is to have a way to build a team in all scenarios, good, regular, and very bad. And this was a very bad mix of things that happened for the Blazers, including the injuries that have happened to the team that has derailed this season, as well as the, the factors off the floor that made it so they didn't move a player like Hassan Whiteside at the trade deadline. But Neil Olshay's job is to have plans for all of these different scenarios. And it feels to me, as a Blazers fan, there wasn't much of a plan for if things went bad. And things have gone really bad this year for the Blazers. And it seemed like the Blazers were trying to, it feels like they're trying to catch up with all the bad things that have continued to happen to them and that they weren't prepared for it. And that is alarming if I'm a Blazers fan. I give New O'Shea props, you know, for uh, making the deal with, with Kent Bazemore. Yeah. Um, yeah. That turned out to be an impactful move. Um, so far. And signing Carmelo Anthony. And signing you Carmelo know, those Anthony. were reactions to the things that have gone wrong with this team. Right. And both of those have worked out. Probably only for this season. Right. Maybe next season with Ariza. But, but those, w those were great moves mm -hmm. that uh, I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And the Bazemore, as you guys mentioned, the Bazemore deal saved them some money. Yeah, I you don't, know, I don't was, care about that. Which was a two for one. I don't yeah. care about that because <laughs> they didn't get all the way under the yeah. luxury tax. Then it's just saving billionaires money, and I yeah. don't care about so that. So the money man no longer cares about well, money. Well, because they didn't get under the luxury tax. That was the whole point of that deal. If you're going to care about money, was it could possibly prevent them from being a repeater of the luxury tax. And 
they ended up not getting under it anyway. So Fine. saving money in the in the long run is just saving Jody Allen and their family money. Yeah, Fine. I care about money in the way if it's related to roster building. I don't care about it in saving really rich people money. Fine. So the deal still ends up working out for less. Yes. Okay. You get mellow off the streets. Okay. Costs cost you nothing. And he comes in and he's an impactful player. Okay. A starting player. Great stuff. But he also needs to be held accountable for what happened from 2016 to now. Yeah. I agree with that. And this reminds me of a poker player who decides to go to the $5 table. Yeah. And is going to play there all night long and just try and win a couple hands here and there. Yeah. You're not there to to win a ton of money. You're there yeah. to, to come up a little bit yeah, better than you up. entered. Meanwhile, I'm looking over at the high roller table. Yeah. And I'm seeing, you know, Maury. I'm seeing, you know, other other GMs that are hanging out in the high roller table that are willing to play big hands. Yeah. And are willing to make risks. And it may not work out for and them. It may not. But I would rather you make those risks. Right. Take those risks of going all in. Because for the Rockets, in the, the example you present of Daryl Morey, for the Rockets, it's not going to work out for them. And they're in full desperation mode right now. And we said that when they traded for Westbrook in the offseason. But if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt in the Western Conference Finals a couple seasons ago, it would have worked. Because they probably beat the Warriors in that series up 3-2. And they would have definitely beat the Cavs in the title. And they would have had one championship and that whole plan of going all in on what he believed in would have paid off because they would have won that one title, which is what Blazers fans are wanting with Damian right. Lillard, is one title. And it sucks for the Blazers because we'll never know what Olshay's original plan could have been right. because of all these injuries. Yes. We'll never know. And that's a bummer, you know, because it felt like this team got better fresh off a Western Conference Finals appearance. This team looked poised to make another run in the playoffs. Yeah. We thought, we thought maybe they could get over the hump and, and play for a finals if everything went their way, played yes. for the NBA finals. But now the goal was set. The standard was a championship. Yes. And I know that things change throughout the year that you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this roster is no longer a championship team. But what are we doing to try and get back there? Yeah. I guess keep our fingers crossed that Yusuf Nurkic comes back and is the same guy that Rodney Hood turns out to be the same guy after coming off of an injury like that. That Zach Collins, who <laughs> hasn't ever proven to be a good starter in the NBA, is going to end up being a really good that starter. Trajectory. That Anthony Simons, who has had struggles this year in his first time playing extended minutes in the NBA, is going to be ready in a year or two to really contribute to an NBA champion. There's still a lot of risks being taken here, and you're hoping that they all hit. Year after year, we have to talk about what assets they have. Yeah. And how good this team is at developing players. Yeah. But the clock is ticking. Yes. Damian Lillard's prime. We are here. Yeah. Yep. So it's time to it's time to start making those big bets. I know it's not fun and there's not guys that are available out there, but sometimes you gotta flex a little bit. You've got to take some chances and some risks and use some of those pieces that you've been developing. For a moment like that. Even if you have to overpay right. potentially for it. Right. But if there's a guy that's on your radar that you want that you believe can make this team better and can get you back into that championship discussion, you have to go out and do it. Yeah. 
Instead, we're just going to continue to develop players. We're going to continue to talk about all these pieces that they have that they could use for a deal that's not happening. Yeah. And then Damian Lillard gets older, and where are you guys now? Oh, well, cool. We had that, that magical run. Yeah. That got him to the Western Conference Finals. And that was, Jared brought it up, you know, mid-level exception. Maybe you can add one role player for mm-hmm. $10 million, and maybe you can add another role player. Which is, it's and, nice. And that's fine that's nice. if you want to add role players. And I knew your point was if you have the, all these different type of role players, then maybe you'll be able to combine them up for a big star. But given that Blazers fans have been waiting years for this to happen and it hasn't happened, the idea... I think what would more likely be the case is they gang up, they gather all these role players, and so it's great. They may end up being one of the deeper teams in the NBA next year if people stay healthy. That's great. Mm-hmm. But the NBA in the playoffs, especially deep in the playoffs, is not about being able to go 10 deep. It's about how are your best three or four against the other team's best three or four. And Portland is going to be going up against the likes of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And those teams currently have better depth and better role players than the Blazers do on the rest of their roster. So how are you going to close that gap between now and then? And for me, and I think for a lot of Blazers fans, it's hard to envision where the Blazers make that leap moving forward. And all year long we had talked about we were pretty darn sure that the Blazers would move Hassan Whiteside yeah. and yes. Kent Bazemore. Um, they moved one, but Whiteside is still here. So let's kind of push this conversation forward and what the future looks like for the Blazers, what the future looks like with Hassan Whiteside, Jared. What do you, what do you think about that? So the reason we wanted to talk about this is because last week, Jason Quick of The Athletic published an article talking about, it was basically almost like he wrote a letter to Neil Olshay saying, hey, this team is really gelling right now. Let's let it ride. Don't make any moves at the deadline. And in the midst of crafting that article, he spoke to Hassan Whiteside and I think asked Hassan Whiteside if he likes being in Portland, if he wants to be traded, just his general thoughts about that. And Whiteside said he loves it here. He bought a house here. He wants to stay here. He'd like to come back next season. He thinks that he and Nurk can play together. He thinks that they can start together. He thinks he can start at power forward. He thinks he can guard power forwards. It doesn't matter that he doesn't shoot threes because the Blazers don't shoot threes in Terry Stott's system from the four spot, which isn't true. So anyway, so there was that. And then you build on that with today, after the deadline, Dwight James goes on Brian No's show on, is it 680? Rip City Radio. Rip City Radio. Yeah, Rip City Radio. And says that he thinks that the Blazers are going to try and bring back Hassan Whiteside next season. So I think that we should talk about that mm-hmm. um, because – I don't know. To me, I I don't understand that in any way. And Hassan Whiteside has been good this season for what he is. He's much better in the pick and roll than he was earlier in the season. And is developing a good connection with Damian Lillard in that part of the offense. He's a very good individual rebounder, though it does not translate to team rebounding success. And he's very good at blocking shots, though that doesn't always translate to good team defense. And so I understand why some, why Neil Shea maybe or some Blazers fans might think that how could we ever let someone go who's averaging, I mean, what's he averaging? Like 16, 17 points, 15 rebounds, like three blocks a game. Those are amazing numbers. In fact, I looked this up uh, a few weeks ago, and if you, I looked at players in NBA history who've averaged the number of points, the number of rebounds, the number of blocks 
and the field goal percentage that Hassan is putting up this season, nobody in NBA history has ever done it. So that's really impressive. So I get why people are, in an, are enamored with this guy, but I do not see any scenario in which him, in which he and, and Nurkic can coexist. We've seen, uh, first of all, how much is Hassan Whiteside going to want to be paid next season? Yeah. Is that going to work out for the Blazers? I mean, he has to take a massive pay cut from this season. He's not going to make $27 million a year. So that's you have to take that in consideration. Two, these guys can't play together. Neither of them can guard the four. Neither of them can space the floor. You know, they both, they're, they're very similar players. You know, Nurkic is more skilled and more talented and a better playmaker but they both play in the paint a lot. So you're going to be clogging up the paint. That's going to cut off the paint for Damian Lillard. There's g- not going to be as much open space for him to, to operate in the half-court offense. They're not going to help with transition offense. It just it doesn't make sense to play them together. So then you're looking at a timeshare between these two centers who in their past, both of them have caused problems on teams when they were having to share minutes with another talented center Mm -hmm. i don't see any scenario in which these two can coexist together and if you have to choose one or the other even with nurkic's injury history even with the you're not sure how he's going to come back it's nurkic 100 percent by a landslide it's not even close yeah so this talk about Whiteside coming back next season i don't understand that at all Uh, we're in complete agreement on this Whiteside. You made, You should have seen Max's eyes when uh, you brought up that white side set he could defend the floor. <laughs> Max's eyes got as big as I've ever seen him. Because white side can't defend anyone beyond three feet of the rim. So he's not going to exactly. be able to defend a floor. Um, you're right. The, the mesh isn't there. And we talked about this when we talked about Carmelo's future last week. You know, how willing is this person, this player, how willing are they actually come off the bench and see a diminished role, diminished playing time, diminished opportunities to go and get theirs. It's, that's a lot to swallow, especially for guys who are used to getting big minutes and Hassan Whiteside is used to gobbling up rebounds and putting up points uh, on a nightly basis. And I'm with you. He's caused problems in the past with, past with that in Miami. And it doesn't – I don't know if it even makes – like. Does bringing him back in a reserve role, does that even make Portland better no, next I year? I don't think so. And so go and get yourself another shooter with that space or that money or that roster spot versus bringing in another big guy who, I mean, the, be- the best part about bringing Whiteside back would be in case Nurkic got hurt again, mm-hmm. you'd have someone who could fill in those minutes that you'd already have on the roster, but you can't prepare like that when you're a team trying to, to take the the most difficult step to take in the NBA, which is from being a good playoff team to being a true championship contender. What was his role when he got here? It was it was to be Nurkic's safety net, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it was supposed to be the replacement. So, to that point, like we st- we don't know where Nurkic is. We don't know what his status is yeah. right now. I mean, he he's not even practicing with the team again. Yeah. So I'm, maybe that is the thought process. Like that that's our. What I, that, that I I understand what you, but yeah. that, are you with I'm me? That can't be their thought. No, I, I, that can't be what. That I, can't I, be I'm why trying, you bring them back. Right, like I'm trying to find a logical reason. Yeah, yeah. As, as to why this would be a move that the Blazers would be interested in making. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Even if 
let's say Nurkic continues to just have injuries the rest of his career and never it gets quite back to what Nurkic was. Whoever you get that's not Whiteside, you go out and get you know a center out there for five million a year. They're going to be just as impactful at that center position in the Blazers' defense and offense as as Whiteside is, yes. and he's certainly going to be paid more than that. And so I think that you that's need to focus concern. your roster building on the the positions of weakness that you have on your roster, which are the forward positions. You don't need another center. Yeah. You know, you need a backup center next season, most likely. But you can go and get yourself a backup yes. center. Ask the Rockets how how easy it can be well, to go find. I don't. I don't want to. They they feel they can just go the and find. Plan. They feel they can just go and find one, and that's the attitude a lot of teams have, and that's probably the attitude they should have in terms of a backup center. You can just go and find someone. Yeah, exactly. If only the Blazers could make a deal for a forward. Yeah. If only they would have had the time to do so. Yeah. I wonder what it would be like. <laughs> Yeah. So now Hassan Whiteside, and that, and that's really what my con- concern is, is that he's going to ask for for more money. And the Blazers well, aren't going to have it. Well, and to I pay him, they're not going to want to. Yeah. And so he walks. I guess you have a little more money to play with to go find somebody out there. Is is that is that the ideal scenario then? I I guess yeah. Is if you renounce his rights, then you would you'd have to renounce his rights. You'd have to let Ariza go. So that means the Kent Bazemore trade is the p- the props you just gave for it is now right. gone. It's all yeah. for naught. Yes. Yeah. And then if you did that, you'd most likely still have about the same amount of cap space to go get a free agent as you would if you were over the cap and had the full mid-level exception. So I think it's more likely mm. that they keep Ariza agree. so that, I mean, if if there's no big difference between the amount of cap space you'd have losing him and the amount of cap space you'd have with him on the roster and the mid-level exception, then keep him. And like we talked about, then he's one, I think he can contribute to this team next season, whether it's as a reserve or as a starter. And two, he's an expiring contract that hopefully they can use to, <laughs> to, to upgrade the roster. Oh, I just want to hit my head against the wall <laughs> talking about expiring contracts oh. again, man. I have a question for you guys. I thought Jared described Whiteside very well in terms of his defense and contributions to the team. How strongly do you guys believe in the possibility of addition by subtraction when it comes to Whiteside? If he were to walk and the Blazers got nothing for him. Uh, if they have, if everyone, are we talking about coming back next year? Yes. That, yeah. Then, yeah, I don't feel like they would lose much at all, if anything. Yeah, I mean, it, as long as Nurkic is healthy and yeah. can play next season, then I, I yeah, I, I think they would. I don't think Whiteside really most of the time has a positive impact on the floor, and so I think that I, it, it's I think it's so hard to tell because of the injuries this season. If that's the case, then why is it such a bad thing that he is on another team next year and the Blazers didn't get anything for him? And you'd like to get something for him, but it's they didn't. They didn't. Well, it's a bad thing because we thought for months, ever since they acquired Whiteside, one of the big things in the fan base was, will he finish the season? And if not, will what, at least they'll be able to get something for him. Everyone, especially when they first traded for him, all of us included, thought, well, at least they'll be able to get something for him if they decide to deal him in February. And so that was always the low bar, was they'll get something. 
It may not be much, but they'll get something that will help this team moving forward. And they didn't even get that. Yeah, like the upside on that was they are able to bring in a star, a player that they couldn't otherwise acquire via free agency yeah, yeah. and obviously uh, drafting. Uh, and the low end was we'd be able to get a position in need, a, a guy that, that could fill in as, as a good role player or yeah. maybe even start. So I, I thought that was where the mindset was. I don't think they get – I don't think it's an a, addition by subtraction with him um, unless, like you guys said, everything works out yeah. the way it once was. And I'm just being pessimi- pessimistic it's here. It's not pessimistic. I, think it's I, I find it very hard that this team is going to be the same that it was that made the run uh, to the Western Conference Finals because you're banking on a lot of things happening again. Yeah. The way that we did it, when we uh, when all of the, these injuries were going down, where we said, oh, we need Anthony Simons to, to flourish in, into this guy that can step in and play big minutes. We're going to yeah. need – like all these things needed to happen. And that's why I feel like, at least right now, I don't know if, if you removed Whiteside, as you even mentioned uh, um, before we started recording this, was they're going to get really bad. Yeah. Without him, like they go from bad to like this bad. is this is the weird thing about his son. If you went from if you lost Whiteside, if they had made a trade and traded Whiteside and did not bring back a center who could fill those minutes, mm-hmm. and you're throwing Caleb Swanigan out there, mm-hmm. yes, they would be much worse. Because even though I don't think I think Whiteside is basically like a replacement level player, yeah. where like he's not maybe he doesn't hurt you out on the court, maybe he yeah. just doesn't help you. And if you look at his advanced stats this season, th- that bears out. But if you're throwing Caleb Swanigan out there for 36 minutes a game, I guarantee you he is hurting you mm-hmm. on yeah. the court. Yeah, I think that's a good way to, to describe Whiteside because there are nights where he helps you win, but then there are other nights when he doesn't or, it, or he's just out there. And maybe this, what I was thinking, I think probably bears out to your replacement player level on Whiteside. What, when we were talking about this, in my head, I'm thinking Whiteside is more valuable on a bad team than he is on a good team me like you, as you said if we removed him from Portland this year we got into a little bit of argument of how significant it would be if the Blazers traded Whiteside and didn't get a replaceable center back uh, it would hurt them this year right now with the roster they currently have but if you were a good team and you traded us on Whiteside and got nothing in return it probably wouldn't hurt you at all because of to your argument that he is just a replacement level player I think that the trade not happening with Whiteside, it's about the opportunity lost. Yes. And I think it's only really in the case of the scenario where that trade would have brought back a star forward, yeah. which didn't materialize and I don't think was, was really possible. Um, I think that the only reason I still thought, once they traded Scow and they had made two moves to save money, then I thought they were going to go the easiest way to then get all the way under the tax was to trade Whiteside with trade rules. You could bring back enough, a little less money. You could have got all the way under the tax, and they could have brought back, you know, some rotation players who could have probably helped the team next year. I still don't think that would have been, you know, what we wanted or anticipated Mm -hmm. when you're thinking of using an expiring contract and all these assets that the Blazers have. You're thinking that that's how they go out and get that other star player, a star forward that they need. Yeah. Yep. But, yep. I mean, they, they had options, I think. I think they probably could have traded Whiteside and got under the luxury tax and brought back a couple role players. I think that probably would have been better for them in the long run. But I don't know. I don't 
I mean, the other thing is we don't know what was really out there. We don't know if no. maybe like Olshay tried and every single team was like, we don't want Whiteside. Yeah, that could have been. I mean, at the time he was traded to Portland, no one else wanted Whiteside except I mean, Miami tried to trade him for like two years Yeah, and weren't able to until Portland stepped in and traded for him. And Olshay had to know that. Oh, yeah, going into it, yeah. If the plan was, hey, one day we're going to be able to use him to get whatever else, like he had to know that, crap, we might not be able to move this dude. Yeah. And if so, what is plan B? What is plan C? What is plan Z? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so – for me, the, the biggest frustration in all of this is an opportunity missed. A yes. big opportunity missed for the Blazers in an area where it is very challenging for them to bring in really good players. Yeah. And this was a chance for them to do so. And having to hear that same song and dance over the past few years as hearing Blazers fans uh, express their frustrations, I believe that's where it lies mm-hmm. in, in all of this is like, here we go again. We've got to hear the same crap every year about why we can't bring in a star player, yeah. why we can't get a really good player here. And it's also we're going to hear more about how, you know, as we talked about earlier, all these young guys are going to be doing this and that because that's what Neil Olshay always says and does. And, like, at, at some point fans are just going to, if they already haven't, are just going to stop believing you. Mm-hmm. And that's not, like, we talked about this. Last year's playoff run reinstilled belief. Mm-hmm. into this fan base. Remember where they were after they got swept by the yeah. Pelicans two right. years ago? Right. Going in last year? Last year, yeah. They were the three seed again, and they won, what, 50 games, 51 games, something like that last year? But it wasn't – the fan base wasn't totally around the team. When right. they went they had, into play – They had just seen it. When they had, when they had gone in to play Oklahoma City going in that series, all of us, except for maybe – Jared, did you pick the Blazers to beat Oklahoma City last year in the first yeah, round? Yeah, I did. And you were, like, out on a limb. Yeah, like, I everyone picked, else was like, seven. this team is going to lose, right. and they're going to get swept. Has, we OKC saw this. swept them all season. Yeah, we're, we already saw this. And so the, the belief in the fan base was way down here until mm-hmm. that team won those two playoff series last year, and they finally felt, oh, here's the light at the end of the tunnel that we've been looking for, and it's dipped right back down for them, and it's hard. It's really dark right now where they are. Yeah, I just I don't want to lose sight of the fact that the reason – it has dipped down is because of the injuries. And mm-hmm. theoretically, everyone will be back healthy next season. And we thought that this roster at the beginning of the season, oh, yeah, healthy, man. was a championship contender. We don't think that anymore. But I still think there's a, a very real chance that Zach Collins turns out to be a very good player. Yep. It takes big men longer to acclimate to the NBA than other positions. I think he could be that maybe not a star forward, but a very good starting forward. And then Nurkic, if he comes back as he was, Nurkic was a top, probably 30, 30 top player yeah. yeah, in the NBA last year. We already know CJ McCollum is a top 30 player. Dame is a top 10 player. This is still a really talented team when they come back next year. They still, yes, it would be amazing if they're able to get a star small forward. Yeah. Those <laughs> are the hardest players to find in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but I still think this team, next year, healthy, hopefully without Hassan Whiteside back on the roster, is a really, <laughs> really good team still. And I don't think we should lose sight of that just because this has been a difficult year. And 90% of the reason for that is because of the injuries. Well said, man. Yeah. I think we have some listener questions, do we? 
Well, let's do our got mail. game picks. Yep. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, early trigger on that. That's my fault, Max. <laughs> I misled you. Oh, I forgot about game predictions. I'm so far below in the standings right now on this. I don't even want to do them. <laughs> Jared, Jared has somehow... So, yeah, let's do that. We usually do this as our third question, and it is the one question we're keeping. So... Orlando, you usually do this. You want to lead the <laughs> You're on a roll right okay, now. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, the Blazers play five games between now and our next podcast. Tonight at home against the Spurs, who are 22 and 28. Friday against the Jazz, who are 32 and 18. That's a back-to-back. Sunday at home against the Miami Heat, who are 34 and 16. And then a back-to-back next week, Tuesday on the road at New Orleans, who is 20 and 31, and Wednesday at the Grizzlies, who are 20 and six and 25. And guys, that is the first matchup this season between Portland and Memphis. They play each other three times the rest of the season, with next week's game Wednesday being the first of those three. So the standings this year, Jared, you lead 33 and 15. Bravo, you're the only one who's picked the Blazers Woo! to win games the last two weeks. <laughs> and they've won quite a few games, so therefore you're in first. Orlando, you're two games back of him, 31-17. I'm 29-19, bringing up the caboose right now, <laughs> baby. Jared, start us off. <laughs> All right, so despite a very bad performance against the Nuggets, the Blazers have been good for a month now. They're 9-7 and seven in the past month. And their schedule has been brutal. So they've put that 9-7 and seven record together against the most challenging part of their schedule. In the past 11 games, they're 7-4. and four. And the, way, the reason they've done this, because their defense is still terrible, is because in that 11-game stretch, they have the number one offense in the NBA. So I still think this team is good enough to not lose all of their games to probably split these games. I mean, we're in the middle of this stretch here that I talked about last week where they're playing a lot of good teams. And my thought last week is if they can kind of play around 500 ball during this stretch, then the schedule eases up considerably in the last 20-plus games. So the way I'm looking at it is I think that they're going to beat the Spurs tonight because it's at home. The Spurs are finishing up a, a long road trip. The Blazers have had games against teams like that a lot lately. And I think they can out, outscore the Spurs at home. So that's a win for me. I think that the Jazz, even though they've lost five straight because it's on the road, second, of a game, second game of a back-to-back for the Blazers, I'm going to pick the Jazz to break their losing streak and beat the Blazers on Friday. Sunday at home against the Heat, I normally would have picked the Heat, but I'm a little... Oh. I don't think Jimmy Butler's going to play in that game. He hurt his shoulder. Yep. And the results came back and they were better than expected. But shoulders are tricky. So I could absolutely see him not playing Sunday against the Heat. It is at home. I mean, against the Blazers, it is at home. So I'm going to pick the Blazers to beat the Heat without Jimmy Butler, hopefully, on Sunday. And then I think they'll split those two games on the road, the back-to-back between the Pelicans and the – against the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. I'm going to pick them to beat the Pelicans, and I'm going to pick them to lose to the Grizzlies, who have been playing fantastic basketball lately. So I've got a three-and-two week – um, kind of keeping pace with what they've been doing lately, but losing a really big game against the yeah, the that, the Grizzlies. That 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 really hurts them if you lo- if you lose to the Grizzlies because yeah. that's that's losing a full game on them. Uh, I'm I've me and you, Orlando. We've picked them to go zero and three the last two weeks, right? Yeah. And they've what they've gone like five and one or something during yep. those six yep. games. So that's where our 
We've been struggling. And I'm not going to go full 0 and 5 here <laughs> on this one. I hope you do, buddy. I wish I could, man. Yeah. But I asked them to show me something. They, yeah. They did. Well, I'm not going much better than 0 and 5. I'm going to say they go 1 and 4 <laughs> over these next five games. I'm not yet oh, a believer man. in this team. I think they're more like the Does team. Does the Denver game yeah, play well, into this for it you? Didn't, I didn't even need to see that Denver game for me to still believe that team is more like that team just because Damian Lillard, can, as good as he is, he cannot average 45 to 50 points a game right. the rest of the year, which is what he was doing when they were beating those good teams for a large part of the stretch. Oh, I don't disagree with and that. And so yeah. I, my, that was my point last week, why I thought they would go 0-3s. I didn't expect he'd continue to go another <laughs> week of doing that, and he almost did go another full week of doing that. So what happens when he's only scoring 30 points a game? How does this? Can this team compete against good teams? And I'm still a believer that they're going to lose those games. So the one I have them winning tonight against the Spurs here at home, I have them being San Antonio. I pick them to lose against the Jazz, good team. The Heat, good team. Lose that one. The Pelicans are not very good, but the Blazers haven't beat them even without Zion. So I'm going to say the Pelicans do beat them with Zion again. And the Grizzlies, I think, are a better team right now than Portland. That's a back-to-back on the road. So I'm gonna go with Memphis to win that one. A one and four tough stretch. <laughs> I'm dying on this hill, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, but see, I don't think that I, I don't think that's unrealistic. Yeah. Like I picked it differently than you did, but it makes complete sense that they could go one and four against the stretch. I mean, this is a tough part of their schedule. That game against the Heat is very tempting. Very tempting. And it's a bummer that we're not going to see Myers Leonard here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be something that we would be able to talk about. But he didn't make the road trip with the team. So, um, yeah, and, and Jimmy Butler factors into this. Uh, but I'm basically splitting the difference between oh, you Oh, you're not, you're not fully on my negative Nancy no, train I'm, over I'm, here? No, I'm leaning, man. Like, after what I've seen from Damian Lillard, I'm like, yeah. I don't know if that was the end in Denver, but – I can't afford to lose more of these games to find out the hard okay. way. So I'm going to put some faith in Dame that he's not done uh, lighting teams up. So I agree with you guys. Uh, they're beating the Spurs. Clean they're, sweep. They're, they're losing at Utah. That's a that's just a really good team that's going to figure it out. Yeah. And uh, the Heat, as it stands, I'll, I'll say that Miami gets the dub. Um, Tuesday on the road at the Pelicans. Trevor Reza, the Zion stopper. Okay. <laughs> So uh, we'll we'll take the Blazers on that one, and then um, I'm with you guys. As good as the Blazers have been, the Grizzlies have been just as good. Yep. And I mean that's kind of the frustrating part for for Blazers fans looking at the standings yeah. game by game to to notice you're really not making any headway. Not making uh, up uh, any ground right uh, now. I'm passing them, so uh, I'll take the Grizzlies to win that game. All right, Jared, two and three, or long, or rather, Jared three and two, Orlando two and three. I say one and four. Mm-hmm. I hope. I hope I can start making up some ground yeah. finally this week. This would be a way to do it. Keeping myself digging <laughs> deeper behind Jared. I don't know because one, it's fun when I, you know, continue to build my lead against you. But two, <laughs> it's a lot more fun to do this podcast when the Blazers are good. Yes, it is oh, a I lot agree. more fun. So I'd, I'd much, ma- I'd much rather them go on a nice run here than than fall off a cliff. It is also, I think, a lot more fun when we don't all just say three and zero or two and one. <laughs> for weeks consecutively. I mean, because they were becoming very predictable. Yeah. Yeah. And so Damian Lillard's at least brought some unpredictability to this team. All right, Max, I think we're ready for those. uh, (laughs) You've got mail. Call that a tease. Yeah, there we go. We did it. (laughs) Got nailed it. (laughs) 
Thanks to everyone who sent us a question. Um, Jared, do you want to remind people how they can get in touch with us? Yeah, you can stuff? You can email us at 3on3blazers at gmail.com anytime you want. Ask us a question. Uh, we also ask for questions on Twitter uh, the day of or the day before the podcast. So look for those tweets and respond to them and, and give us your questions, and we'll answer them on the podcast. First one comes in from our friend Matthew, the Reverend Romulus. He says, now with the long-touted hope of the trade deadline gone, where should I blindly look for hope going forward? <laughs> the possibility of sneaking into the playoffs, next year's draft, the buyout market, free agency, and does anyone want a slightly <laughs> worn custom scowl jersey? Oh, custom. No. Oh. Custom? Oh, <laughs> man, Matthew. Wow, that is an investment. Props, man. Wow, that's a tough pill to swallow right there. You got to oh. keep that one. Yeah, that's yeah. deep fandom. Yeah, right there. yeah, that's a hipster show, jersey in sh- a few years. Show yeah. up in like five years with that sucker on. Yeah. Yep. yep. Respect. Yeah, people won't even, even be mad about that. Scal was liked and played pretty well in Portland. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to answer his question, where should he blindly look hope look for hope going forward? I would say none of the above with the options he said of sneaking into the playoffs next year's draft, the buyout market, or next year's free agency. I don't see much hope right now if you're a Blazers fan. I would look forward to hopefully Yusuf Nurkic being yep. healthy next season and being a big reason why the Trailblazers are back to being you know, one of the five or six best teams in the Western Conference. That's what I would look forward to is the big man being healthy and rolling next year. I wouldn't say you have to abandon all hope this season. I think you can look forward to Yusuf Nurkic returning this season and mm-hmm. seeing what he can put together. You can look forward to Zach Collins coming back. And you can hold out hope that maybe those two come back, play well, this team gels, gets into the playoffs, and gets swept by the Lakers. Gives a nice run in the first round. That's the hope that you have to put forward is, I mean, if this team gets back to full strength by the playoffs, they're a very talented team. And I'm not saying they'd beat a team like the Lakers in the playoffs, but I think that they could have a good first round series against a team like the Lakers with as much talent as they have coming back. Yeah. My initial thoughts uh, were Yusuf Nurkic. That's going to be a really fun night when he comes back uh, for the first time in Portland. So enjoy moments like that. And Temper expectations. I think that'll help with your your disappointment. And you know, if you haven't already, yeah, temper expectations and let on a random night let Dame blow them away for you for that exactly. night and enjoy that because he's had a few of those. None of us saw what he did in L.A. coming on that night mm-hmm. of all nights. Oh man! And those have been fun games to to watch. Yeah. And if things things do go off the rails here and the Blazers fall apart then you do have the draft to look forward to (laughs) and a lottery pick. Look towards the draft, baby. A lottery pick that won't play for them next year. Look forward to that. Moving on. Next question is from uh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. We were doing so well for the reference. I'm sorry. I'm just being being realistic. Like, if things go off the rails and they get, like, say, the ninth or tenth pick, you honestly see that player getting big minutes next year? (laughs) I don't know. It's happened. Uh, yeah, no. we, we, it's happened. <laughs> we didn't think Nasir Little was going to play this year. Yeah, well, he shouldn't be <laughs> yeah, playing. Here, here we he are. Still, he shouldn't be playing this year. That's my point. <laughs> He's been pretty good lately. I mean, yep. before he hurt his yep. ankle, yeah. hit, hit yeah. the threes, yeah. doing stuff. All right, Labby 340. How depressing was this deadline on a scale of 1 to 10? Are we sure the Blazers are not wasting Lillard's career? Not wow. in, not intentionally wasting his career. <laughs> Maybe unintentionally in terms of 
winning a championship. So level of depression, where are you putting this at? Uh, one, a one, one to ten. A, a hard one. <laughs> so one is most depressed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or I guess a ten. ten. Whatever, whatever <laughs> you're going, yeah. What, uh, whatever, uh, wherever uh, you're digging your hole and hiding under a rock right now, that if that's one or that's ten, that's where a, I'm at. Let's put a ten as the most depressing, okay. so you're at a ten. I'm at a ten. We can multiply it by another 10. I'd put it at like a 7, I think, because we had our expectations kind of diminished in the past few weeks about what the return was probably going to be if they even were able to make a white side trade. I'm glad you mentioned that because whoever the person was that brought that idea to us uh, when we were reading our mail slash comments three weeks ago maybe? Four oh, that was ago. a month? That was, a month before, ago? that was before 2020, I think. I, was at, I think it was 2019. I was, was at uh, a 10. Carrie? Was that Carrie? Maybe, yeah. Okay. When so. this idea all came about, when it when it really started legitimately sinking. We were talking in. about the god-awful bench, and it led to this <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Then I was at a 10, and I think to Jared's point, because we've had a few weeks now to let that marinate and simmer, I'm now at like a seven as well. I mean, we've had so many reports in the past few weeks about the Blazers are going to stand pat. Sources yeah. say they're not going to try and make a big win now move. Like we kind of knew that this was the way this deadline yeah. was going to go. We may have held out hope that something miraculous would happen, mm -hmm. but if I don't think any of us went into today thinking there was going to be some great big trade, right? No, but it's like it's like if the Blazers went into a playoff series and yeah, we didn't expect them to win. It's still different when you're actually eliminated and it's yeah. done and over mm -hmm. with. So that's why I still put it at yeah. a 10. Like I didn't expect them to do anything significant today, but I'm still not happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and I don't dispute your 10. Yeah, I think, yeah. you, I think you, you can be a 10 at this point. I'm used to being a 10. My <laughs> yeah, friend. I know, man. You walk around as uh. a 10. <laughs> the Segway King strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> Max doesn't agree that I'm a ten. Apparently, I'd put it. I'd, I'm a five myself. Yeah. You're, you're my like always a five. I mean, that's heated for you. I just, I yeah, just think the writing heated. was on the wall. Yeah. So, pretty clear to me that nothing was going to happen. And I also think the star players, quote unquote, that were out there that we had talked about, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, if the, I mean, Max was never on board with any of those players coming to Portland. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even the star players who were out there, like Max, wasn't excited about them, and there were no really actual good star forwards who are available. So I think Max had more realistic expectations for this trade deadline than any of us. I think Max is more long. realistic about life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> every aspect of life than the three of us are. That's fair. <laughs> I think that's true. Accurate. Uh, maybe. All right, let's move on. Last question. This one's from Thomas Bryant. Pretty simple. Is Ariza a keeper? I think so. I think, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, I think he can contribute next season. And I think that just... The fact that getting rid of him wouldn't increase your your ability to go get a free agent any more than if you kept him and he'll be an expiring contract next season. It just makes sense to keep him on the roster. He's been pretty good. Uh, yeah, to me that's a no-brainer. He's he's a keeper. Yeah, keeper. Keeper. Speaking of pretty good, you guys haven't spoken about him yet, but he was also in this trade. What do you guys think about Wenyan Gabriel? Every time I watch that guy. And I'm thinking of the Lakers game, most notably. Yeah. I like what he's doing out there. Yeah, I liked his Just defense. like super raw energy, yeah. flying yeah. around. I mean, he's a raw talent, really. Yeah. I mean, what is he, 21? Is he even that old? Like, He's just a raw talent that they need to mold. He's, he could be like next year, if you want to look on the positive side, I think he could be like next year's Scalabissier type player, a guy who can surprisingly is giving yeah. you productive minutes. 
Yeah, I admit I don't know, maybe you do, Jared, how much of his rights they have going forward after this year, but um, he seems like he's a project, but maybe a project worth working on. He was a two-way player with the Kings, and then they converted his contract to the full season. To right? the full season. So I think that the Blazers will have some kind of bird rights with him. And I will say, uh, hearing him uh, talk to us, the, the first practice he had, it was cool to hear a guy that was really optimistic about a team that wanted slash may need him to actually play. So yeah. you were seeing a guy that was just very fresh and uh, excited about his future as a professional basketball player. And he's a very well-spoken dude um, who would be great to talk to more and more. Uh, so Orlando says he's also a keeper. I, I like him. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, first, I mean, first impression, a uh, very likable dude. Yeah, my first impression was that Lakers game, and I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I mean, a lot they, of people. They started him, and yeah. he was kind of like jumping off the screen for a little while. Mm -hmm. I mean, Dame took over, but. I'll give a little credit to Caleb Swanigan as well. I mean, I kind of put him down earlier in this podcast as a potential starter, but I think that he's actually coming and giving them decent backup minutes at center, and that's more than I expected from him. Yeah. He seems to be in pretty good shape. Yeah. He better shape than he appeared to be at the end of last season when he was with Sacramento. Yeah. You got you guys uh, ready to rip it? Very much so. Can I can I uh, oh. jump in here? Oh uh, man! No, oh. I. So to answer Matthew the Reverend Romulus's question, where should he blindly look for hope moving <laughs> forward? Oh I want to resubmit my answer. It's rip it every week <laughs> when I win for you and your children, Matthew. That's where you're. You should be blindly looking for hope. All right, take it away, that's, Max. That's that's actually a good answer. Oh wow, an actual <laughs> compliment from Max. I'm I'm just I'm. <laughs> Shook. I'm shook. shook. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, that compliment's not coming from me or Orlando. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> right? Well, the trade deadline's come and gone. It's great to be back with another week of Rip It, though. You guys tied last week. But Jared and Orlando, you need to make up some ground. Yeah, we do. Ooh, Nate has four wins. Oof. You guys are sitting back there with one. Wow. Gross. One. Disgusting. We've been playing this game for three months, <laughs> and you have a one that's, win. It's really pathetic. You're like Minnesota that's when Carl Anthony Towns plays. It's it is unfortunate. Out. It is hard to win Rip It this year, so I, I will begrudgingly give Nate some credit for having four wins. Man, just one minute. He's a flip-flopper. One minute after <laughs> saying he wouldn't compliment me, he gives me that one right there. I can't wait to win Orlando. That's comes why, that's why I nice stay words. steady yeah. with no compliments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's get to last week's game and recap it. Going back to that Lakers game, first question was, who will score the most points? LeBron, Anthony Davis, or Damian Lillard? Oh, please say we I said Lillard. This was a this ended up being a pretty good question, but and we know it was Lillard. He had forty eight points. Jared, you picked Dame. Yes. And you were the only one to pick him. Oh. Really? I thought we all picked Dame. No, oh, we, no. I, you all picked I think we players. all picked someone different. Yeah, yeah. Nate, you went with LeBron, yeah. who scored twenty two. Davis scored thirty seven. Yeah, he was your pick, Orlando, but not enough. Yep. Hey, give me your pen so I can mark down my wins. Okay, there you go. <laughs> wow. Start, start chalking them up <laughs> early here, my friend. Next question from the same game. Which team will block more shots? Nate and Orlando went with the Lakers. Jared, you went with the Blazers. And this was close. 
but the Lakers won it. Ah. Ten, ah. ten blocks to eight. Ooh. Yeah, eight. Add, add a point for me and Orlando over there <laughs> did, while, while you're chalking them up. Right there, yeah, there you go. I don't cheat. <laughs> Davis and Whiteside had five blocks each, Whoa. but the Lakers had a few more overall. JaVale had two. LeBron had one. Hazonia had a block. Oh, whoa. I only remember he missed that layup. <laughs> That's all I remember Hazonia doing in that game. All right, moving on to the Jazz game. The question here, who will make the most three-pointers? Donovan Mitchell, C.J. McCollum, Joe Ingles, or Trevor Ariza? Oh, I don't feel good about what I said. Nate, you went with Ingles. Yeah. Jared and Orlando picked C.J., and nobody got this one right. All right. Because Donovan Mitchell made three of six. C.J. had two. Ingles won. Ariza, zero. CJ, come on, man. Donovan Mitchell. How did – man, none of us picked Donovan Mitchell in that question. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Blazers. What were we thinking? I have no Just idea. Just putting our trust in CJ. Yep. Blazers oh. at Nuggets. Who will get the most rebounds between Carmelo, Will Barton, and Mason Plumley? Whoa. <laughs> now, you all picked Carmelo Anthony. Jared <laughs> – you were wavering back and forth, but you were ended up being disgusted with Will Barton as an option. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. And you should have <laughs> picked like Barton. I like Will the Thrill, too. Oh, you should have picked did. Barton because he Ugh. grabbed five boards. Anthony only had two. Oh, woo. See, and Plumlee did not play. So nobody got that I one think yet. I made a joke that was going to be Will Barton because of how you yeah. reacted when you realized Probably. that was your other option. But winning with five it. boards, that's, that's sorry. You hate to see it. He's oh, always man. good for about five or so. What was Melo doing? I don't know, but he had like not two, two points. He, had, he was he was non-existent yeah. basically yeah. on the box score. All right, the wild card question. So we are all tied at one, and we're on the wild. Oh, card. Please tell right. me we all please answer tell differently. <laughs> Do we all answer differently? Well, two of you answered. Uh, there were two different answers on this one. This was a oh, cross. Uh, this was a cross-sport wild card question involving. Oh, a, that's right. Involving oh, the please Super tell Bowl. me the fourth oh, quarter comeback no. did it for me. <laughs> the question was. Which total will be greater? Completions oh. by Chiefs quarterback Patrick please Mahomes. Please, yes, no. please, yes. points scored by CJ against the Jazz. By CJ. Oh, man. And Jared and Orlando, you both went with CJ on this one. Oh. Nate, you said this ain't going to be close. It's Mahomes. Now, that's debatable. But CJ scored 20 points. Oh, Mahomes had more than 20 completions. Mahomes had 26 completions. Oh. Yeah, that's a – oh, my gosh, gentlemen. Which means Nate picks up another win, two, uh, two out of five. Give me that pen back, baby. Jared and Orlando with one each. Wow, that really hurts Jared in a deep way because Jared's a 49ers fan. Are you up to a 10 on the depression yes, scale at this point? I am okay. now 100%. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be CJ until that uh, comeback by Mahomes in the fourth quarter. So congrats to Nate. He's up to five. Wow, guys. Wow. Orlando is speechless. His, He's just – I'm shaking done. his head. I'm done with CJ on Rip It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. He, he knew. CJ he, twice he got yeah. me. For the list, got me twice. For the listeners, when Max was reading, reminding us what that question was, Orlando stood up and faced the wall oh, just man. so he didn't have to see. He remembered who knew, he picked. Oh, and yeah. He remembered I picked Mahomes. Yep. I knew and my he knew fate. what was coming. I was just hoping we all had different answers, but obviously that was a yes, you know, one or the other. So you know, for our game pick, um, I'm four games behind Jared, and I feel like there's no way I'm going to be able to make that up. You guys are four games behind now, and rip it. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, rip it. Four rip it wins. It's going to take, it's gonna take a, a Mahomes-type performance to yes. catch him. I'm like the Milwaukee Bucks right now, oh. and you guys are the Portland Trailblazers. Disgusting. <laughs> it really is, man. Well, you guys, you just threw your second interception. There's 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. What are you going to do about it? Let's start a, no, a new game of Rip It. Can't right give now. up hope. I'm going to beat Nate. That's what I'm going to do. I haven't lost Rip It in like two months. You yeah, this go is incredible. <laughs> one yard at a time, one inch at a time. Let's get to it. So the first game, we got five big games Come this on, week. Come on, man. I know. we got to do this. One of us has to, man. So you guys want to huddle over there, have a <laughs> pet talk here? <laughs> there is no wild card question this week because we got five big games to talk about. All so right. we're going to start with awesome. the Spurs game. And the question for this one is, which player will have the most assists? Will it be CJ, DeJounte Murray of the Spurs, or Spurs guard Derek White? Ooh. Most assists in the game. Who's what starting right now for the Spurs? Murray starts. Okay. What do you think, Jared? Their numbers must be similar. They are very yeah, similar. I'm going to go with Three Murray. and a half assists on average for all three of these guys. Yeah, give me De DeJounte Murray. All right. Orlando? Who is my other Spurs option? Derek White. I'll Former, take White. Uh, Colorado One of us has great. to get it, right? Nate's going to go CJ. Yeah, why not? <laughs> like, like I don't actually think if I were to pick, I'd pick Derek White. But if CJ actually gets it, like me winning that, oh, it will be just so good. <laughs> don't so, we have a mute button for oh, him? Seriously. So I'm going to go with CJ <laughs> on right. this one. Well, CJ, you're going to have a great game now. <laughs> okay. What if he has like 10 assists He probably tonight. will, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, he's done. I'm, I'm done with CJ on Rip It. Blazers at Jazz. <laughs> Who's going to make the most threes in this game? Is it going to be Donovan Mitchell again? Is it going to be CJ or Joe Ingles? Oh, my gosh. I'll Nate, go with Nate, let's start with you on right. this one. Uh, I'm going to ride with my man strong, Joe Ingles, on this <laughs> one, baby. <laughs> All right. You know, his nickname is actually Jingle and Joe. Jingle and Joe. Is yeah. it really? Yeah. That, yeah. That's not quite as good as Jingle Bell James, which you came up with, Max. Yeah, I did. But that's I pretty did. good. That was good stuff. Um, Orlando, what do you think? Donovan Mitchell. Okay, Jared. Uh, Joe Ingles. Oh, Jared's <laughs> on my side. Yeah. Yeah, now we're talking. All right, so we got two for CJ now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving to the Heat game. This is going to be a good one. I'm going to this game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. You're a Tyler Hero guy. I am, and I'm also a, a fan of another guy in this question. So who's going to score the most points? Is it going to be Whiteside, Bam, Bam, All-Star Bam, or the Dragon, Goran Dragic? Ooh. Dragic can put up some points off the bench. Yep. All three of these guys average about 16 points a game. I'm going to go fun. with uh, you, you know Whiteside's going to want to play. I know. That you is know a, he's going to be hunting points and rebounds and blocks like no other yep. on Sunday. And I thought it was interesting in the first matchup between these two teams, Whiteside was on the floor exactly when Bam was on the floor. Stotts was like, whenever he's going in, you're going in. Hmm. Um, well, I talked earlier about Jimmy Butler potentially not playing, which could mean even more minutes for Dragic, so I'm going to go with Dragic. All right. Orlando. I also like Dragic. It's tempting to pick either Bam or yeah. Whiteside just because that's going to be fun to watch those two. Yeah. But, yeah, give me the dragon. Nate? Well, I'm going to pick one of those two. Attaboy. I'm, I'm saying that because I'm still trying to figure out which one. <laughs> I'm still trying to buy time and figure out which one I'm going to go with. Uh, let's uh, let's go with Bam to get it done. I uh, Yeah. I, I can't bring myself to pick Whiteside. <laughs> I think I randomly picked Bam as, like, my – 
most improved player or something like that on a yeah. pre well, pre The only thing I remember preseason is I picked the Warriors to win the oh. title. <laughs> oh, and boy. Steph, and oh, Steph Curry to be MVP. I think we all picked Steph yeah, Curry. Yeah, maybe. we did. Yeah, Ouch. I picked a lot of good Warriors things, so my yeah. preseason uh, has not worked out well. All right. Blazers at Pelicans. Over under 20 points for Zion Williamson in this game. How much is he averaging? About 19 and a half, I think. Oh, man. I'm going to go over. Nate, are you going over or under? I, I think the Pelicans are going to win, but I'm actually going to go under on this one. Uh, I will also take the under, Trevor Ariza, the Zion stopper. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yep. And you love your small forward nicknames. You had Bazemore Island for Kent. Now you got Ariza stopper. I like that here. All right, now the biggest game of all on this stretch, in my opinion. Blazers, Blazers at Grizzlies. <laughs> How many Grizzlies will score in double figures oh. against oh, the I Blazers? Oh, I love this question. Man. This is oh. my favorite question. Oh. Grizzlies in double figures. There's probably, what, four players who average double figures? I believe, the, I believe five Grizzlies currently average That's double figures, yes. I'm going to go with that number then. I'm going to go five. And Jay Crowder, who's no longer on the team, averaged about 9.9, .9, I think. Yeah. So, Orlando? I almost always answer four on this one, and I've gotten it wrong every single time. <laughs> so I'll take five. <laughs> this is the well, hardest one to get right. Orlando's going to regret not picking four this time, because <laughs> yep. this is going to be four. Nice. Max. All right. Nice. Do you have any four Grizzlies in mind that you'd like to share? Let's, uh, let's go with John Morant. Yep. Uh, Jaron Jackson, yep. uh, Dylan Brooks, oh, yeah. and let's go with uh, Brandon Clark. Ooh, nice. I like it. Okay. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another week of Rip It, and I look forward to the recap next week. Oh, man. That was our longest podcast there, guys. Yep. And w the problem with going so long is, n is there's going to be tons of listeners. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully they all <laughs> stayed or skipped to Rip It to hear how great I was there at the end. Yeah, man. You... <laughs> I hope they don't just skip to rip it. Oh. <laughs> I would mind if you. I would. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're one of the, if you're a person who just skips to the last 10, no, 15 no, minutes, no. I I prefer if you gave us another shot at the first 45 or so. Rip it is the cherry on top, really. I know someone has to be doing better in rip it than than I am out there that listens, that that makes these picks. I would be curious to see how some of the folks that that are listening to it, uh, fare in these rip it questions because they're they're all really good and they're they're really close and they come down to yeah. you know it's really tough specific to moments yeah. except for nate the yeah i would say the difference this year as opposed to the past couple years is the dnps yeah, yeah. that has yeah. killed right. so many questions yeah you know and it's just so dependent on luck when it comes to guys resting or getting injured or or just being good at, <laughs> at be, just being really talented at doing these things. Like I don't, I can't pick who's going to win the games, but apparently I know more about what's going to happen during them. Uh, I'm going to really quick make a request. Uh, please subscribe to Three on Three Blazers. Go on to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Just search Blazers. You'll find us. We'll be near the top of the list. And subscribe and leave us a five star review. We'd uh, love to get this podcast out to even more people and. Those five-star reviews are what really help with it. Five-star reviews for five Nate Rippet wins, baby. <laughs> That's what we're saying. There you go.